Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company, a philanthropic community partner since 1922 and proud supporter of numerous community organizations. More information at smithville.and School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life, publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with Sarah Whitmire, the News Bureau Chief of WFIU and WTIU. We're going to take a break from all the seriousness of politics this week, and we're going to talk about something really important, food. And Thanksgiving is coming up, and the other holiday seasons are coming up. And we have brought in two people to talk about food today who are uh, chefs and bloggers and well, let me just introduce them. Barbara Brozier is here. You might know Barbara's name because she's also a WTIU, WFIU news journalist. And in her uh, other life, she's a food blogger with the Broadcasting Baker. And also joining us is Kel- Kelsey Smith, who's a chef and the owner of the Plated Table. Plated Table, right? <laughs> yeah. If you want to join us on the program, give us a call at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or toll-free 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition, and you can tweet us at noon edition. So, hey, welcome. Hey. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for being here. Barbara, it's good to see you on the other side of the table. Yeah, it's kind of weird being on this side of the table. <laughs> yeah. I'm expecting tough questions. Tough questions. Tough turkey questions. <laughs> tough turkey questions. All right. So Thanksgiving time of year, what's it mean to the two of you? Kelsey? Uh, when I think of Thanksgiving, the first thing I really think about is a big group of the people you love, whether that's family or friends or community members, eating mostly seasonal food. It's, mm-hmm. the only, it's the only real holiday where the seasonal local food is the main, the main focus of the meal. Mm-hmm. And that's really exciting, I think. Mm-hmm. Barbara? I think of a lot of the same similar things. For me, the food is obviously a big part of it. But <clears throat> I just think the sense of community and gathering. And um, in my family, we kind of like to prepare things together, which I think is great. It, Food brings people together, and I think the kitchen is kind of the center of a lot of homes, and this holiday certainly illustrates that. What are your favorite traditions about Thanksgiving? You go first, Kelsey? Sure, yeah. Macaroni and cheese. (laughs) (laughs) I have a macaroni and cheese recipe I think I only make for Thanksgiving and Christmas, maybe. And all year I look forward to macaroni and cheese since I was a little kid. So what makes it special, your, your Thanksgiving recipe? Of it's, mac and cheese. <laughs> this is probably well. Okay, so I have one recipe actually. I have two versions. So one is a little bit like healthier and lighter, and that's made with butternut squash and nutritional yeast. So you can do that one if you're wanting like a little bit less cream and actual cheese and oil in your meal, or just like super classic with a bechamel sauce mm-hmm. and sharp, really sharp white cheddar cheese, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I like to use the spiral pasta instead of the elbow pasta because I think it holds the cheese a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds and pretty good. I think that kind of brings up a good point, too. You mentioned, like, there's a healthy version and there's an indulgent version. And in my family, my father was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes when I was in college. And he's now, like, the picture of health but still restricts his diet very much. Um at Thanksgiving, he wants to indulge a little bit too, but we've kind of shifted and decided, hey, we're going to have maybe these two traditional indulgent dishes and then focus the rest of our menu around healthier, um, more basic, fresh ingredients, roasted seasonal vegetables and seasonal fruits um, that are simple, but the high quality makes them a great, um, great item to serve with your Thanksgiving feast and just, you know, tossing those vegetables and olive oil with a little bit of seasoning is an easy but good way to help fill your table. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I want to I want to back up just a second and let uh, Kelsey tell us what the plated table is. <laughs> plated mm-hmm. table is um, a personal chef and I call it personal chef and catering. The catering is a little bit more small dinner parties held in people's homes. Um, but I cook for a few families around Bloomington, and mm-hmm. I make the menus based on what's seasonal and locally available. And uh, it's sort of a farm-to-table. It's a way to eat really healthy when you don't have the time 
to prepare those meals for yourself. Are you making Thanksgiving for anybody besides you and your I'm family? I'm only making Thanksgiving. I take Thanksgiving off to really focus on. I, I Every year I have a large group of friends over, and we have a potluck style, but I still make I, – I tell everyone to, that it's potluck, but I can't not make everything because <laughs> I'm too excited about, like, all of the dishes and all the variations of what you can do. Um, so I'm just doing Thanksgiving for myself and my friends this year. Okay. And Barbara, the, the broadcasting baker, mm-hmm. so when did you start that? Um, I've been that? doing it on and off for several years. I've always, like, enjoy. I've always enjoyed cooking in my spare time and decided to <clears throat> blog as kind of an outlet, you know, as a news reporter sometimes. You have to focus on a lot of, you know, sad things, and it's a good kind of creative outlet to go home and de-stress. So I've been doing it probably on and off for four years, shut it mm-hmm. down for a while when I got busy, and brought it back a couple years ago. Okay. Well, we hope that uh, you out there listening will join us on the program today, and uh, you can give us your favorite traditions, um, favorite recipes, whatever, favorite uh, party tips. Whatever you want to do, 812-855-0811 or toll-free 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition, and you can tweet at noon edition. So we got a question. We've been talking about eating things that are in season. So someone asks, well, what is in season? There are a lot of great things. Yeah, fall is, I think, the best. I mean, that's why we have Thanksgiving is because it's like the, the pinnacle of all of the great foods. You have the end of the season of all of the tomatoes and the beginning of the season of like squash. Like five to ten different types of squashes if you go to the farmer's Which market. Which are so versatile. They're so versatile and they range in their sweetness and their color and size. And even just with squashes, you can have like a rainbow mm-hmm. of things on your table. And I really like squash. Um, it's great because it's great plain, but it's fun to stuff them with things too. We like to take acorn, acorn squash and roast that and then stuff it with quinoa, which has some roasted vegetables in there as well. And it becomes just a much heartier but still healthy way to fill up your table. And it's a great alternative to like traditional stuffing. Um, If you don't want something that's um, heavier like that, it's still a hearty dish. Or a vegetarian main Mm -hmm. course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or right now with so many people being gluten free. um, I'm wondering sort of what you would recommend for that, that something in season if folks want to go that route. Oh, well, I mean, all vegetables are gluten-free. <laughs> right, right. So if you like some must-have do... recipes that, you know, you couldn't go Thanksgiving without. Yeah, well, f- may- well, macaroni and cheese, if you went that route, since they seem to not get it out of my head, you could use <laughs> gluten-free, you know, noodles, and you could add uh, seasonal vegetables to the macaroni and cheese and bake that in there, like broccoli or cauliflower or even squash. Mm -hmm. And even pies. Um, My dad, we make for him a special pie that's low in carbohydrates, and we actually use pecans that we ground up um, and combine with a little bit of butter and cinnamon and press that down to make a pie crust. And I actually like that better because it's got that nutty, um, crunchy texture, and it's really delicious. You don't really miss the the regular pie crust, but there are a lot of options gluten-free now when it comes to pasta and yeah. um, instead of you could like do quinoa instead of stuffing if you mm-hmm. wanted to do some sort of like a quinoa salad with all the normal celery and raisins. Uh, there are so many different ways you can go with stuffing, but you could use you know all of those normal flavorings and tastes and put those into quinoa or brown rice instead mm-hmm. of your normal bread stuffing. Okay, let's kind of go through this Thanksgiving menu. So. Turkey is typically the star. Do you guys both do turkey? Yes, yes. I do. Okay, what what do you do that makes your turkey the best turkey ever? Ours is pretty simple. My family, um, I feel like our Thanksgivings have just gotten smaller over the years as people have gotten over and started older and started their own families. So we cheat a little bit and we do a t- two turkey breasts in crock pots, and it actually. Um, is much easier and I don't miss the I everyone in our family really just likes white meat so I don't miss having the whole turkey and we still make you know stuffing and things like that on the side but I'm gonna have to say it's a much less stressful Thanksgiving day as a result. So what do you throw into that crock pot with the turkey? So we do two different ones um 
We do just kind of a basic with, you know, salt, fresh garlic, some um, fresh poultry seasoning. So I believe we do sage, thyme, and fresh rosemary. And we throw that in with a little bit of chicken stock. And then my brother usually finds some ridiculous recipe on the internet every year for a different type of turkey he wants to try. And so last year we did a bourbon glaze on this turkey breast in the crock pot. And it wasn't bad, but I just, I like, you know, the traditional, more simple, that's how I am. If you use the fresh ingredients, fresh spices and high quality ingredients, I think that that really makes a dish shine. Okay. So, so I, Kelsey? I mean, ha- well, oh, I'm sorry, but no, no, I just don't ahead. understand how you cook a turkey in a crock pot. So it's a turkey breast. It's a turkey breast. So you just—it's really easy. You can actually put them in there. We don't do this, but you could put the turkey breast in the crock pot, frozen, and cook it from frozen. Yeah, which makes it really easy. We thought out because it helps with the seasoning process a little bit. Um, to push some of the garlic cloves in there. But yeah, it's very easy. You just cook it on low like you would any other thing. And that way you're not having to go in and, you know, worry about basting. We've had some years where we've had dried out turkeys because they've been overcooked a little bit. This is like the foolproof method, I will say. (laughs) And stay super moist and very (laughs) moist. Yeah. All right, Kelsey. Mine's a little bit more complicated. I I do a three to four day dry brine on my turkey. Wow. Um, so I this year I ordered my turkey from Becker Farms, which is located up in Indy, and they're doing a Bloomington drop and this Saturday, fresh or frozen, you can choose. And I rub my turkey per pound. I think it's maybe two two tablespoons per pound of salt and a teaspoon of sugar. And instead of doing a wet brine where you have to get a five-gallon bucket and then figure out how to fit that in your fridge with all of the other things that you're bringing in for Thanksgiving, if you dry brine it, you just rub the salt onto the turkey and any other herbs and spices that you want to use. So I usually do fennel and fresh, fresh herbs like um, thyme and rosemary and sage and crushed garlic. I make like a paste with all of those. And I try to rub those underneath the skin. So mm-hmm. I like separate the skin from the from the bird and rub that into the meat and let that sit in my refrigerator for about three to four days. And that really ensures a really moist, not dry turkey. And the skin, the salt sort of seeps into the turkey and it crisps the skin as you cook it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you just cook it like a normal turkey and it takes three to four hours and it's really delicious all the way through, all the herbs and the salt and the spices soak all the way through. And what you said about rubbing under the skin, that's so key whether you're cooking, you know, any type of meat that has a skin. If you want yeah. that meat to really take on that full flavor, especially for folks who maybe don't want to eat the skin. I know for health reasons, a lot of people pull it off. And that's where a lot of the flavor will be if you don't rub yeah, you underneath. Have to get it in so there. <laughs> rub the spices underneath. I stick whole garlic cloves underneath the skin, and that'll just make sure that it seeps through the, the meat. Okay, here's rookie question. So how, how, how do you cook? I mean, you're cooking a turkey for three or four hours. Is there a formula per pound, and what's the temperature? There is a formula per pound. I don't necessarily know it off the top of my head. (laughs) Maybe that was something to research before I came in. Um, You can find it online, or a lot of, you know, wherever you buy your turkey will usually, because they want you to like it, so you buy it again. But they'll usually give you some sort of a layout. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. I just, I check every hour. I'll baste it, and I'll stick my thermometer. You stick it in the thigh and in the breast, and those are the two thickest places. And so as you check, mm-hmm. you're wanting your turkey to be about 160 degrees. That's when poultry is safe to eat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if you check every hour, and then as, as you're getting closer, you're around like 150, 155, you want to be checking every you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes to make sure that you don't overcook your bird. Mm-hmm. You mentioned putting stuff under the skin, but what about inside of it? Yeah, that's optional. A lot of pe- people... I think you can go either way because stuffing a bird can cause some health. Health, yeah. Like people some people are scared have gone that away it doesn't from that go. a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not afraid of it because we've been doing it for so long, and it really creates this delicious. And if you cook your bird long enough, it should be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are afraid of stuffing for health reasons, I would put some lemon and garlic bulbs in there, and the lemon will release moisture and this nice citrus, and the garlic will release this aromatic mm-hmm. you know flavor into the turkey as well that's what i'm gonna stuff my turkey with <laughs> all right 
uh, if you want to join our conversation today. We know it's sort of warm outside, although it's going to get colder tomorrow. Oh, it's going to be more yeah. like Thanksgiving weather tomorrow. So we're, we're talking about Thanksgiving today and talking about food and food traditions with Kelsey Smith, chef and owner, plated table, and Barbara Brozier, uh, a journalist here at WFIU and WTIU, but also a blogger with the Broadcasting Baker. So give us a call at 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join a live chat if you want to ask us a question that way or share a recipe that way, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So after you make your turkey, do you use any of that liquid for your gravy? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Talk to us about gravy and how you make it. I'm sure both of you have, have different recipes here. Yeah. I mean, we so we can do the same thing with the crock pot, and we usually um, take some of the cooking juices from that, um, put it in a pan on the stove. My mom puts usually just a little bit of butter, unsalted butter in that, um, and we, that's the thing. We don't measure this out right. because these are like the recipes that you just watch your grandma do it. And so she puts usually a splash of flour in there as well to help it thicken. Um, cook it till it simmers a little bit and starts to thicken. Um, just stirring it with a whisk to make sure that you get all of the good bits off the bottom of the pan. And that's, that's how she makes her gravy. Pretty simple. Yeah, same. And you can um, – I usually – sometimes I do flour and sometimes I do corn uh, – cornstarch because of the gluten-free I have family members who have celiacs and so if they're around I usually do corn flour cornstarch instead of flour um, and you know if you want a thicker gravy you just add more and you just make sure that you stir it in well and sometimes you want to add if you're doing cornstarch uh, particularly you want to add that to warm water first and then pour it in so it doesn't clump together in the pan mm-hmm Okay, so what do you put your gravy on? Everything? Everything. <laughs> I, I'm one of those people who does not, and this is like horrible at Thanksgiving, I don't like my food to touch. I like them in each of their individual areas on the plate. So I like a little bit of gravy on my turkey, and that's about it. And, yeah, I get made fun of a lot at Thanksgiving because so many people like to put, like, cranberries on everything and sop up the gravy, and I'm just like... I need one of those yeah. sectioned off plates. Who so they knew? Can stand you would get along areas. well with my five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> That's contaminated. <laughs> All right, well. let's 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 continue through this menu a little bit. So stuffing is another traditional part of Thanksgiving. What kind do you guys like? This is another area. So I I think every year um, the way we do things is each family member will kind of decide to take on a couple dishes, and every year. It seems like things change a little bit. There are a couple dishes. My mom will make her traditional just stovetop stuffing. Mm-hmm. Um, but my sister has made some stuffing last year with cornbread, chicken sausage, and cranberries. Mm-hmm. And it was actually really, really good. But there's something about it, the stovetop <laughs> stuffing that my mom makes. It's not fancy, but it's one of those foods you grow up eating it. And I, I feel like you can't beat that. For nostalgia reasons. <laughs> yeah, and so for me, to avoid the gluten, I usually do some sort of a grain salad. And right now I'm on a, a persimmon brown rice salad kick. Mm-hmm. And I make a really thick uh, onion, like a caramelized onion jam that I mix into that. And I pour some sherry vinegar in there and use hard gouda, goat gouda cheese. And that, I think, is better than any. <laughs> stuffing I've had. <laughs> I love a good, because it's like fresh and fruity and salty and it combines a lot of those tastes. Is it, So it's stuffing-like? Well, it, eh, no. It's hard. <laughs> it's a starch, but it's like yeah. the starch and it has a lot of different things in it. And so it, like... No one will ever accept it as stuff. As <laughs> I'm super excited about trying new things, but I know I have to be careful because we very have traditions with here. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I have to ask you, Kelsey. So you just described a dish that's really unusual and innovative. So, is there some trial and error thing you go to go to to come with, up with something that you like like that? Yeah, I usually I'll just grab things from different recipes that I like. I love caramelized onions that have sat on the stove on low for an hour or an hour and a half until they're just really dark and soft and sweet. Um, And persimmons are just a a local thing. And I make a lot of salads and grain salads in general. And so 
I just put, you know, it's like all of your favorite things, and, and then you have some leftover brown rice, and so you throw that in there too, and you have a hunk of cheese from last week, and you throw that in too, and it mm-hmm. sometimes it just works out, and sometimes you don't make it another time. <laughs> <laughs> the, I have to laugh about the stovetop stuffing because my wife and I go to a Thanksgiving dinner every year with about 20 local people, and and you know, one person always makes the stovetop stuffing just kind of to mock the other big, we have a lot of chef type mm-hmm. people in the group and somebody else will bring some very creative stuffing and it's always the stovetop that gets. That <laughs> There is something about that. I feel like other dishes, pe- people in the family are okay with experimenting with, but it's the stuffing and then my grandmother's green bean casserole every year. <laughs> if those are not on the menu, People freak out. <laughs> All right, we're going to take it. We're going to take a short break, but we're going to talk about green bean casserole when we when we come back. We're talking with Barbara Brozier and Kelsey Smith today. Sarah Whitmire is here. I'm Bob Salisbury. We're talking about Thanksgiving dinners and what you can do to make yours perfect. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each weekday afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from the Herald Times, along with Sarah Whitmire from WFIU and WTIU, and Barbara Brozier from WFIU and WTIU, but more relevant today, The Broadcasting Baker, a blog that she does. And also Kelsey Smith is here, the chef and owner of Plated Table. We're talking about Thanksgiving um, menus and Thanksgiving meals. If you want to join the conversation, and we would like to have your input with your favorite ways to uh, maybe spice up the Thanksgiving dinner, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington, or toll-free, 1-877-285-9348. You can also join a live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition, and you can tweet us at noon edition. All right, we got a question about deep-frying turkeys. So, Barbara, you have any experience with that and tips I, you can pass along? You know what? I have never deep-fried a turkey, to be honest, but I know that it's become increasingly popular. Um and that there is a very, you know, good chance that things can go wrong. So that's probably <laughs> why I have never attempted to deep fry a turkey. Same. I've never tried it before. I Last year, I don't know why, but I was on a kick around Thanksgiving where I was watching YouTube videos about turkeys gone wrong. <laughs> and that was at the top of the list. A lot of these were like 20 foot high, you know, fires. You put the turkey in and the, something about the water and the oil that at that high temperature, the water and the turkey, and it'll just shoot through the roof, the, the flames. So, so be careful. Yeah. Do your if research. Do some research. Yeah, and make right. sure you have someone spotting you just in case is what I, I would it's suggest. it's one of our producer Mike's favorite ways to do turkey. So, uh, to deep fry Really? Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe. Do but, it uh, I think last year Bon Appetit might have had a really good step-by-step guide of how to do it. So okay. you may want to Google that. Okay. All right. What can you start doing now? A lot, actually. Yeah. Um, so for me, the thing that I hate the most about any cooking is just the prep work. And it does take so much time, whether it's, you know, chopping vegetables or just portioning out ingredients ahead of time. And um, I like to make pie crusts ahead of time as well. I actually assemble the entire pies before Thanksgiving. I'm going to go home to Illinois and I freeze the pies so they're not cooked at all. When I get home, I'll put them in the fridge to... Um, defrost and then I'll throw them in the mm-hmm. oven on Thanksgiving morning. So that's one easy thing that you can do is if you're making pies, 
get that get that out of the way. A lot of desserts, the same thing. If you're making a cake or something like pumpkin bars, you can actually completely bake those and get those ready for Thanksgiving and throw them in the freezer and then take them out the night before to defrost them in your refrigerator. Somebody writes in, what about an easy pie crust recipe then? Because that really can turn into a nightmare quickly. It, <laughs> it, it, it can. Um, and I found that pie crust, like people get really freaked out about it. It, it, it can be intimidating. And people also are very opinionated when it comes mm. to how to make the proper one. Um, I have started experimenting with using coconut oil to make a pie crust, actually, <laughs> instead of shortening as a little bit of a healthier version. Of course, it does not taste the same. Um, some of these healthy substitutions, you can't make it and expect it to taste taste the same. But um, I think that the best pie crust, personally, is made with shortening. Um, and you just have to work at it. With Don't try and do any shortcuts is my suggestion. Um, my mother used to try and use her food processor to help with her pie crusts, and sometimes it would come out great, sometimes it wouldn't. Um, I, I just use, use my a food, food processor. Y- and for you pie. have success. Yeah, and I, what I figured out is that you really want, a lot of recipes will say to blend your butter until it's in chickpea size, size. pieces mm-hmm. or something like that. But Or it says also to like cut it up into small pieces. But you really want big tablespoon-sized, almost frozen chunks to go into the food processor. And then you just want to pulse it about 20 times quickly. And you'll get these big chunks. And when you lay it out on the table, it'll be really crumbly, and you'll think it'll never come together. But if you roll it out, and then almost like you're making croissants, if you fold it on top of itself and you roll it out again, again, you get these really beautiful layers. Um, I'm going to have to try that. Yeah, I, I like that way of doing it a lot. <laughs> that's a good that's a good suggestion because I think the problem with the food processor sometimes is you want to like you want to really go for and it. that's yeah. not what you want for a good pie crust. You want to stop when there when there are chickpea sized pieces. And a lot of times you I don't know the directions are weird on these food processor pie crust mm-hmm. recipes. I think the greatest advantage we have for cooking now is how popular it's become on social media. Um, you see a lot of these videos that like you can't stop watching on Facebook of them, you know, throwing recipes together and you can go on YouTube and just look up, you know, how to make a pie crust and it'll show you for me I'm a visual learner and I have to see visually, okay, how do I do this? How, if you want to crimp a pie crust um, and just that word intimidates you, <laughs> go on YouTube and, you know, look up how to crimp a pie crust. And it, it makes things a lot easier that we have all of these tools at our fingertips now. So, Kelsey, what do you, what do you, what can you add in terms of other things you can be doing right now? Yeah. I am a major planner. And so I think right now, like writing out your entire menu, the in your grocery list as well. The Bloomington Farmer's Market is tomorrow. And so that's probably your main, you know, way of getting, if you're wanting local seasonal things, that would be your main place of doing that. So you should, for me at least, I have my whole menu planned and the recipes all planned out for each of those and the steps of how everything will go in the oven and be on the stovetop and when this will be done and when that will be done. So it should run pretty smoothly which will save you so much time Mm -hmm. if you have it all planned out and you're not sort of just trying to throw things together and you're wasting oven space or you're wasting stovetop space. Um, Knowing the oven times is key because that can really throw things off if you don't prepare like you do and um, make sure that, oh, I have something that has to go in at this temperature for this long um, and you have competing dishes, make sure that you can time things out properly to get everything done at the same time because that's tough so the space Uh, issue was was actually one i had just a big a big problem we always seem to have with our thanksgiving is there's just not enough room in the refrigerator Mm. um any advice on things you can do that maybe don't need to be in the refrigerator what what can we do well here's the thing it also depends on the weather (laughs) um because the past few thanksgivings um that i've been to when i've gone home to illinois it's been cold enough that doing something like sticking a dish you know on a table in your garage is going to you know keep it cool enough um fridge space i think that's something that everyone struggles with i don't know if you have any suggestions well i think one thing prepping a lot of your side dishes can be prepped the day before Mm -hmm. and served at room temperature so you could take them out of the fridge morning early afternoon and let them sort of come to room depending on when you're serving thanksgiving but you could let them come to room temperature 
And then as they're coming to room temperature, be putting your, you know, the things that whipped cream or whatever it is that needs to be cold, then making those and storing them until they need to be served. Okay, okay, green bean casserole. I want. Oh. <laughs> I want to go to Kelsey first. What's your take on that, or do you have a substitute, something that would be similar? Yeah, so I usually just roast green beans. I don't mm-hmm. do a casserole. I think I I agree with uh, Barbara. Barbara. Mm-hmm. Sorry, <laughs> I agree with Barbara about you know trying to plan a menu that's equally indulgent and you won't. You're not going to leave feeling like too gross. And so for me, like the mashed potatoes and gravy and the and the macaroni and cheese are maybe my most, my two, and all the desserts, of course, but are maybe my two most indulgent things. And then for green beans, I just roast a lot of them, toss them with olive oil and salt and pepper and broil or roast them on like 450 until they're nice and uh, crisp. And that's how I like to serve green beans. You don't beans. pour a bunch of mushroom soup mushroom over Mushroom soup. <laughs> you know, I have never bought mushroom soup. And I would like to keep it that way. Okay. <laughs> but, Rabbi, your, your, your mother's, right? Your mother's it, so recipe. it was my grandmother's. And we actually oh, yeah. do We do two versions because everyone loves the original but doesn't want to eat, you know, a ton of it. Um, my grandmother's recipe is actually even worse for you than the, the regular stuff. Um, and you know, kind of suspect some of the things in it, but it's cream of mushroom soup and a lot of Velveeta. Oh, wow. oh man. Velveeta? So it's like a cheesy Velveeta melts, you know, like no other cheese product, I guess. <laughs> um, but you mix those together and I mean, it's a cheesy and then you d- no French fried onions, which I know for people who love green bean casserole is sacrilegious, but you make homemade garlic um, breadcrumbs to put on mm. top and Everyone in my family, like, that's their favorite thing about Thanksgiving. That sounds like a dip. I would eat that with, like, crackers. It's great. But then we also make um, green beans that we steam, toss with a little bit of olive oil, pepper, salt, and lemon zest. And that's also a really, really popular side dish. So you you have, like... Two things going on at your dinner, right? <laughs> yeah, You've got we the Hoosier do. table over here. <laughs> we do. It's because everyone, aside from the green bean casserole, there are a couple other dishes that like people really want that to be their indulgence, and other people don't care about as much. So we just have way too much food, is what it boils down to at yeah. the end of the day. Green bean casserole seems like one of those things that divides people, though, because yeah. either you love it or you hate it, <laughs> mm-hmm. and. Yeah. And I don't love, like, the regular cream of mushroom soup, French fried onions. It's something about, I think, again, a lot of these dishes, it's like a nostalgia thing for people. Mm -hmm. You remember your grandparents making it, and so it becomes special, and it just kind of, like, it tastes like home every time I have it. We'd like to hear from you if you have any uh, ideas about your Thanksgiving dinner that you want to share. 855-0811 in Bloomington. That's an 812 area code. Or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area code. You can also join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. And you can tweet us at Noon Edition. So both of you, maybe Babs, you, Barbara, you can you can start with um, just some appetizer recipes. Personally, I know people always arrive and they immediately just will like get a cookie or something because that's what's mm-hmm. there. How do I avoid that? Um, so this sounds really weird, but we like cauliflower caviar. <laughs> I know the look. What is that? Um, and you basically just cut cauliflower up very finely and you roast it so that it gets um, browned a little bit. And then we mix it. It, it kind of depends what we want to do with it every year, but we usually toss that with um, olive oil before we roast it, sprinkle it with some lemon juice, and we serve it in um, endive leaves. So it's like an easy, portable thing. I really like that. Half my family (laughs) is like, I'm not eating that. So we also serve, typically we like to put vegetables out um, in a super easy dip if you eat dairy is we get um, Nufichatel or Greek yogurt cream cheese and you just take the whole block, eight ounces, and then you pour salsa in there and you just mix it together with an electric mixer and it's an easy veggie dip that is creamy, but it's not, you know, completely out of this world ridiculous with um, the amount of fat and calories that you're consuming. So we try and put vegetables and healthier things out that people can munch on beforehand. Yeah, same. So I usually do a a seasonal vegetable plate with, you know, different colors of radishes. Right now there are 
black radishes and watermelon radishes and they're and purple radishes. They're beautiful. beautiful. So beautiful. And uh, so some of those, a few fresh green, like fresh and crunchy greens, carrots, any really anything that you can eat raw that I can find at the farmer's market. And I chop those up or slice them. And I serve that, I try to serve it with lighter things so you don't fill up too much before the dinner. So maybe like a feta and herb dip. With uh, So you just blend feta with whatever herbs you have maybe left over from the, your day of cooking with all, a little bit of olive oil and salt and pepper. And then um, I like I like chips and salsa, too. I think that's sort of a light. Mm-hmm. The salsa, you know, salsa is just it's delicious great. all the time. <laughs> and I think, too, it's important to remember that you can't always do it all on Thanksgiving. Um And so I don't think you should be afraid to take, like, semi-homemade shortcuts. And, you know, people aren't going to be mad if you serve them a store-bought hummus, probably. Focus on your energy, your time, and your budget on the dishes that are really important to you. Because otherwise, we would all go crazy, I think. (laughs) And it's easy to dress up something like a homemade hummus, too. Or a store-bought hummus. You could buy that and throw a little bit of extra this and that in there and make mm-hmm. it your own, and people won't even know. They won't. <laughs> All right. We have a phone call. Bob from Greensburg is on the line. He wants to talk about green bean casserole. Bob. Yes, sir. Uh, the best way that I found to serve a green bean casserole is you warm it up real good, not real hot, just nice and warm. You open the back door and you set it down out there on the porch and holler, here, kitty, kitty. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Not a fan. (laughs) Thanks, Bob. It is a very divisive dish. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, yeah. That was a a great call. Anything else you want to uh, share? Uh, Yeah. Uh, Any of you ever heard of Terry's in the Snow? No. No. I don't think so. Well, it is extremely good. It's egg whites, and you beat them up real good, and then you cut them on a, a piece of brown paper like a bag with grease on it, and you bake that. And then when that gets done, you got this uh, mixture of cream cheese and powdered sugar. Mix that up real good. And also... All this other stuff. Oh, it comes in a bag. You mix it up. It's like whipped cream. You mix that with it. And then you spread it all over the top of that and then a can or two of cherries on top of that, refrigerated. Oh, my. You talk about something good. Now, that is. (laughs) I'm going to have to look that up. Carriage in the snow? Yes, cherries in the snow. Cherries in the snow. Okay. All right, Bob. Green bean casserole be all beef. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Hey, thanks a lot for the call, and we hope uh, you have a, a great Thanksgiving. Uh, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. 855 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition, and you can tweet us at Noon Edition. I think that was a great segue into favorite desserts. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Cherries and confectionery sugar and cream cheese. <laughs> can't go wrong. <laughs> Barbara, what are, what are a couple of your favorites? Um, I actually tried a new recipe a couple years ago. It's from Cooking Light, which is a magazine I like to go to for ideas. You can find their recipes online um, and their lighter takes on a lot of traditional dishes. I've always loved pecan pie, but like by the end of the slice, I'm kind of like so much sugar. So now I make a cranberry walnut pie um, that is a little bit a little bit different, and I absolutely love it. It's been a big hit. No one's missed the pecan pie. Um, so that's probably my, my favorite Thanksgiving dessert, I'd have to say. And I recently, I was never a big fan of pumpkin pie, which I know is a, sort of a big deal. <laughs> but last year I made a pumpkin custard without a crust or anything. You baked it in, a, in like a tart shell. And that, I think, was my favorite, which I was a little surprised about. But you, it's sort of like a pumpkin pie filling, but with a few extra yolks in there. Mm-hmm. So pumpkin pie, pecan pie, we mentioned both of those. Those are, those are pretty traditional. Now, you've taken a new twist on cranberries, but, of course, 
cranberries. I mean, you know, man, growing up in Indiana, those cans of what the <laughs> the, je- the, the jelly, thing, the that jelly. You can oh slice. man, I know. But there's so many other things you could do with cranberries. What would you suggest besides your dessert? So I don't. I just love the flavor of cranberries, and I know that they're naturally tart. But I don't like to add a ton of sugar. I just do um, a very little bit, and then we do orange juice and a little bit of orange zest um, and reduce them down. There's you know, a recipe on the back of cranberries you get, but I would highly encourage you to drastically cut the amount of sugar um, that is in those out and let the flavor of the actual cranberries shine. That's, that's typically how we cook them. I do something similar. I also um, add orange juice and orange zest. But I also, I reduce the sugar and I finally chop an apple and I add that in with some walnuts. And that adds a lot of uh, different textures in there as well. Okay. We have another phone call. This is uh, Connie from Bloomington. Connie? Yeah. Hi. I, uh, I know that sometimes there's a real problem with turkey breast drying out when you bake a turkey for very long. And I tried a few years ago just to turn my turkey upside down with the breast side down. Now, I know with a bigger turkey, it can be a problem turning it right side up. But I find that that really keeps the, it moist um, and tender. That's a really good tip I hadn't heard before. Yeah, it makes sense the juices would all be collecting down at the breast then. And if you turn it um, full within the last 15 minutes before it's done, then it browns as well. So it just really does seem to help. Okay. Well, thank thank you. you. Thanks, Connie. Thanks for the call. We got a question about um, fresh herbs versus dried herbs, and how do you substitute if you don't have fresh ones or want to use fresh ones? You want to use a little bit more uh, of the dried because the flavor won't be quite as pronounced if you're substituting dried for fresh. Is there that much of a difference in the taste? I think there is, absolutely. (laughs) And you can find, um, you should be able to find fresh herbs at your local grocery store. They're usually going to be by um, right by all the salads, like the pre-prepared salads, um, bagged lettuces, and usually you can find a packet that says on it poultry herbs. So it doesn't get any easier than that. And if not, you know, just pick up a couple different packages or substitute the dried. But I think fresh, I you would can't go fresh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would totally go fresh. What can you find at the market tomorrow? At the market, Probably. you'll find a lot of squashes and apples, mm-hmm. um, greens, how about okay. herbs? Any herbs? Oh yeah, you'll find mm-hmm. rosemary and sage, mm-hmm. uh, thyme. I don't. There, yeah, there's not any cilantro right now. No. Uh, there might be a little bit of parsley still. I'm not sure. I never think of cilantro on Thanksgiving. No. Yeah. You know? Probably not. <laughs> not exactly. Not exactly. No. Okay. So can you just run? Th- like, can you just thinking back? I guess going nostalgic now. Like, what's been a huge Thanksgiving success with your family, and why would you define it like that? you want to go first, Kelsey? Sure. I'll have to think about it a little bit. We would always go to my mom's sister's. It was the only holiday that we spent with my mom's family. Um, and one year, I don't know. I, I don't know why they didn't just let us do this all the time, but they let us eat the dessert first. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow that made that Thanksgiving, as a kid, it made it really special because it was like opening a present before Christmas almost. Do you remember what was for dessert? Oh, pe- pecan pie for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, sugar cream pie, pecan pie. We had a, I think it was a date pudding that I later asked my mom for the recipe. And it was like a box of cake mix and like date. It was like the worst thing I think <laughs> you can ever eat. But I loved the, oh, prune. It was prune pudding. Oh, prune oh. pudding. It was prune pudding. So that I think is to help mm-hmm. with your post. Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) I think last year um, was a big success for us. I have a niece and a nephew um, who are seven and five. And before it was kind of like someone go play with the kids and try and entertain them all day. But we've now started to get them involved in the preparation of the meal. And their duty last year was to make place cards for everyone and they got very creative they used popsicle sticks and yarn and fabric and made figurines of each person at the dinner and we're so proud so that was a big success because then they felt like they contributed and got really excited and weren't just constantly asking when are we going to eat when are we going to eat that's such a great idea oh and we still have those we use them as christmas ornaments now it was really sweet i see what miles is going to be doing (laughs) 
<laughs> All right, we've got Andy from Bloomington on the line. Andy? Yes. Go right ahead. I just want, wanted to mention a couple of favorites I have. Uh, first of all, uh, with sweet potatoes, uh, a really good way uh, to fix them is uh, you you uh, mash them up and then uh, cut apple and pick uh, Granny Smith apple, a couple of Granny Smith apples, and uh, and pecans. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then you bake it? Bake the whole thing? Uh, yes. Mm. Sounds pretty good. That does sound good. Yeah. Do you put butter in there, I'm assuming? Uh, yes. <laughs> not, not a lot. It's Thanksgiving. Uh, you got to put butter in everything. everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You have to have butter. Yeah. The other, the other uh, favorite of mine is uh, is with cranberries. And uh, what I I learned from a friend of mine was to uh, you you uh, take a bag of of cranberries and you uh, grind them up with a food processor, uh, but along with a, a navel orange that you've uh, cut up and skinned all the pieces and taken all the seeds out and so forth, and uh, and then you can uh, you can also put the skin of the orange into it, and then uh, if you add some uh, drawn marnier mm. after you got it finished, you have to put some sugar in, of course, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but not a lot of sugar. That sounds great, though. The orange and cranberry is just a classic mm. combo. Yeah. And, but how, how much grand marnier? That <laughs> a little bit of sugar, yeah. but. <laughs> Just just a touch, right? Just a little bit. Uh, just a touch of green money. Okay. Okay, good. Andy, thanks for sharing. We appreciate it. Okay, thank you. All right. I think we should mention cocktail recipes. We know a lot of families are probably going to be divided over politics this Thanksgiving, <laughs> so they might need some refreshments. Um, my family, um, my dad's a home brewer, so we actually tend to do um, – different beers to go with our meal, um, which is interesting. And I try and find local beers here in Bloomington to take home. He grabs some in Illinois. um, And we do many varieties, but we try and find seasonal things. Like in Bloomington, you can find a persimmon beer, which is really fun and festive for the holidays. My mom has also made a cranberry sangria before, um, using a little bit of cranberry juice in there. And it's really, really good. Yeah, and I... So, as I said earlier, I do my Thanksgiving's potluck. And so everyone sort of brings a little bit for themselves and some to share. And so we have a combination of wine, beer, and you know, liquors. Mm-hmm. And uh, this year I'm going to try to do mostly Cardinal Spirits liquor mm-hmm. at, our, uh, at our Thanksgiving. But one of my favorites is um, ginger beer with a little bit of bourbon and lime juice. So instead, mm-hmm. it's like a Moscow mule, but instead of vodka, you use bourbon. It's pretty warm, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and it feels like with the ginger and the yeah. lime, it's like light and refreshing. Mold wines are also great. Um, that's something that I find myself only drinking around the holidays, and um, I think it's Brown County Winery that does an apple cranberry wine, and something like that is especially good. Um, I actually throw that in a crock pot with a little bit of mulling spices, which you can typically find at a grocery store, or you can just look it up online. Um, throwing cloves and cinnamon sticks in there and it's a great you know warm treat for the holidays as well you cook the drink in a crock pot yeah, you just warm it up in the crock pot so that that way it stays you could do it on the stovetop as well but the reason i think crock pots are so great for holidays is it can keep something warm um throughout the throughout the day as people are going back for more Oh, my goodness. Barbara, I'm beginning to think you should write a book on things you can do with a crock pot. (laughs) (laughs) So we have uh, a question just about the term Friendsgiving. Oh, Friendsgiving. Yeah, Yeah, it's Thanksgiving with your friends. It's everyone that maybe can't or doesn't want to go home. Uh-huh. for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and you all just have it at somebody's house. Mm-hmm. It's become really house. popular. Yeah, I'm going is. to one tomorrow, and you all kind of, like, bring a dish usually, and it's really fun. Yeah, it's a I had, way to celebrate. like, two last week and one this week and another one after Thanksgiving of just different mm-hmm. friends gra- gathering different groups together. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Last item I would just want to bring up, because we've talked about there's a lot of starch in the Thanksgiving dinner. We mm-hmm. talked about um, stuffing, of course, and macaroni and cheese, but we really haven't talked about potatoes or different, you know, breads and rolls and things like that. So in the last two minutes, any any tips, anything that's really unusual or good made from the potato or bread? I like to do just um, smashed potatoes, which are really easy and a little bit similar to a mashed potato, but a little bit healthier. Um, you boil the p- potatoes. I like to use red potatoes for about 15 minutes until they are soft, um, and then you take them and put them on a cookie sheet and you smash them down with like a potato masher or a big spoon, drizzle with a little olive oil. I like to do rosemary, salt and pepper. And then you cook that in the oven um, for about 20 minutes. And then you get this great, like crunchy outside, but a soft pillowy inside. So I think it's the best of both worlds. So <laughs> I like to do domino potatoes. You, uh, you cut them into a square and then you use a mandolin or maybe if you have a food processor with a slicing blade, you can make it make them almost paper thin. And if you layer those down on a cookie sheet like you would see do- a fallen stack of dino- uh, dominoes mm-hmm. and sprinkle that with olive oil, salt, pepper. And I also do rosemary, sometimes sage. Um, you get sort of like they're sort of chippy on the outside, like cr- crunchy and then soft and chewy on the on the under part where they're all stacked Mm -hmm. textures it's a great Mm -hmm. texture yeah can you put gravy on that oh yeah yeah (laughs) i thought we'd establish you can put gravy on anything (laughs) (laughs) except for barbara you can put gravy on anything (laughs) all right we are we are out of time and i want to thank you both for being here and barbara brozier uh, of course, you hear her on the radio and see her on TV as well. But she's the broadcasting baker on her blog. And Kelsey Smith, the chef and owner of Plated Table. Thanks both. Thanks to both of you. Thank Thanks you for having us. And have a happy yeah. holiday season. And Sarah, I'm kind of hungry. I don't know about you. It's time for lunch. It's time for lunch. All right. <laughs> for Sarah Whitmire, Sophia Salaby, our producer and engineer, Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington. Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. Publichealth.indiana.edu and Smithville Fiber, the GigaCity Company. Fiber Internet, HD, and digital IPTV in Southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.